Instagram-programmet presenteras i samarbete med Haffi. När du vill lyckas med livet. Lucka nummer 17. Hej och välkommen till Islandshästpodden och våran julkalender. Eh, idag så har jag en känd röst mitt emot mig. Kanske ett inte lika känt ansikte men rösten kommer ni att känna igen. För det här är VMs speaker Henning Dratt. Welcome to the Icelandic Course podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I just introduced you as a famous voice because it's your voice that we've been um, getting to know by the World Championship speaker. Okay. Um, and now you're here in Sweden to be speaker at the Sweden International Horse Show. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. So we would like to know a bit, a bit more about the man behind this voice. Uh, who is Henning? How did you first come in contact with the Icelandic horse? Well, thanks. First of all, thanks very much once again for having me here in Sweden. It's always a great pleasure to be here. And especially this event here at uh, Friends Arena is, of course, something where you can feel the energy, not only from Icelandic horse fans, but from people all over from, you know, all the different horse breeds. And you can just feel when you enter the building that this is amazing. And so I'm very happy to be here. And thank you for this uh, for this nice conversation here. How did I get in, in touch with horses? Well, I, I've always really, really, really liked horses, not necessarily loved them so much when I grew up, but I liked them. Mm-hmm. I liked them, but I figured out at a certain point in time that I couldn't really be around them very much because I was just sneezing and sniffling no. and coughing and it was just horrible <laughs> with allergies. So um, I, I really had many opportunities when I was uh, growing up Uh, thanks to my parents to go to a number of dressage and jumping events. And, you know, it would always be fun, but I couldn't stay inside an arena for longer than 45 minutes or something like that w- without using a whole box of Kleenex. <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, well, I, I just at some point just gave up pretty much on horses because I just couldn't be around them. And then um, when I went to university many years later, I uh, had a, a fellow student from my university in Münster in the uh, Midwest of Germany. And, um, you know, like you do with, uh, you know, study groups and things like that. You just meet at somebody's place here and then go to the next person's house and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them had a farm back home with Icelandic horses. Okay. And since I had always liked the horses, I would, you know, be excited to to see horses again because I hadn't for so long. And uh, when I got there, it was like, okay, I go one step closer, one step closer, one step closer, nothing happened. Okay, so I was a little curious to see why that was. And so I went really close and I started, you know, being nose to nose more Mm -hmm. or less with them. And and nothing really happened. And so I I asked, you know, what are these horses and Mm -hmm. what can they do? And, um, you know, they're all outside. I think I remember it was a winter day. So I was a little uh, unsure if this was actually the way to do it because it was so cold and they were outside. But they all looked very happy, like big, cuddly sofas or couches, (laughs) you know, with all the big fur and all the hair in the wintertime. And so I, I first discovered the, the Icelandic horse, what is so special about it. I was told so many things. And then I, you know, uh, looked at some videos back then, still VHS tapes and some mm. early DVDs, you know, mm. in the 90s. It was not about YouTube or Facebook, but you could just, uh, you know, watch the tapes. And uh, then I went to some uh, competitions afterwards and and really um, enjoyed that very much. And at one point I asked, you know, I'm rather tall. I'm like, I don't know, six, five or six, six feet mm-hmm. or 198 centimeters. And so I said, you know, I'm not very small. I'm actually very tall. I don't weigh 
you know, like a lightweight, I actually weighed it more too. Um, can I write them? You know, because mm -hmm. I always wanted to do something yeah, like this. But you hadn't so, written till this point. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. Maybe as a child, you know, when we went to, you know, farms in the mountains or yeah. on the North Sea coast or something mm -hmm. like that on vacation, I would be on a horse, but, you know, always with somebody by my side. And it was just, you know, what, what little children do. Mm -hmm. But I had never ever explored any real writing. My sister had, but I, I didn't. And, um, yeah, then I, they, they said, you yeah, know, of course we all do it. Just do it, you know, just try it and, and you'll enjoy it very much. And, and so I started very slowly to take a few lessons here and then, you know, watch more and, you know, get training and, and lessons and, um, ended up buying my first horse and, uh, had a lot of fun doing all this. The allergies never really hit me again. Okay. Uh, and so I could be around the Icelandic horses quite a lot and, uh, I discovered what I had not um, enjoyed so much of before because, you know, I do a lot of things with my computer and I write a lot. I sit a lot at my desk. Mm -hmm. And so discovering nature, riding outside, doing things like that, um, that come with the Icelandic horse and that mm -hmm. are the major bonuses of yeah. an amazing horse like this and the people that enjoy riding it yeah. and breeding it and all these things. Um, and I discovered this whole new world. And so that was quite amazing. And that was in the very late 1990s mm. and um, yeah that's how it started yeah but but what did you but what did you think about the horses when you started riding because you you'd been liking them so much but yeah. riding hadn't been a part of it that's true that's true and i'm not necessarily a very good sportsman myself you know i <laughs> don't really do a whole lot of sports i must admit and so i'm not very talented at anything you know resembling gymnastics without a horse yeah. or with a horse it doesn't matter and so i was a little unsure at first and, mm. and not very um, convinced that I could, in fact, do this, but I, I was very happy to, um, very uh, lucky, I should say, to to have good instructors right away that uh, um, made this horse, uh, you know, so easily accessible to me. You know, mm. made me understand what I should do. You know, not to disturb the horse, not to harm the horse, not to mm. pull on the reins like a crazy man, mm. but to to understand how to, you know do the seat and the aids and the signals and and what you have to listen for and to look for what the horse gives back mm. to you mm. so as i said you know it was a whole new world to me mm. a whole new sensation if you will and and getting the passion for the horses back and then discovering the icelandic spirit with it and mm. the tilt of course and these things um great mm. really and it's just never left no. do you still ride Very, very rarely, I must admit. Very, okay. <laughs> very seldom. I, I wish I, I, I had time to do it more. And I have now, uh, actually made a, a promise to, to myself and also to, to my wife, Lisa, that I should actually try to do this more. Uh, you know, we've just moved to, to our new place. And, you know, she's a very good rider and trainer. And I think with such a trainer by my side, I, <laughs> I should actually <laughs> not, not ride. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've been, been very, very blessed back in, in the, the time that I got my second horse, uh, probably around the year 2008. To, to really have a very good trainer in Jolly Schenk by mm -hmm. my side because, you know, she was the one uh, that had ridden the horse before and okay. competed in world championships yeah. that uh, I was happy to be able to buy uh, back then. And so she was my, my first competition trainer, really. Okay. You know, before that, I had only had, you know, lessons to survive on the horseback yeah, and just yeah. <laughs> understand the basics. Mm -hmm. But um, then I went to, um, to Bala, which was not so far away from my home, Uh, just about half an hour away and you know uh, with with Yoli who is one of the 
one of the most amazing people to get to know, but also one of the most amazing horse people to get to know, um, to to figure out a little how to, you know, go beyond just the basics and to, to ride a horse that was a little, you know, more charismatic and more energetic. And this was a horse that she had been so successful with. So it was quite a burden at first. And some people actually thought I was going completely mad now riding a horse <laughs> like that. It was yeah. called Elgur uh, um, from Steinadlerhof. And he was with 9.5 for pace in the okay. breeding assessment and all these things. Yeah. And then, you know, Yoli gave me the confidence to uh, to ride this horse and, and the horse also was not, like some people have always um, are always saying now, you know, if they had the high spirit scores, they must be completely mad and mm. just running and fast. And, mm. But it was a, a very nice horse for me to learn a lot mm. from. And, and Yoli just uh, was there all the way until my first and final competition. I must say, but that's not <laughs> Yoli's fault. I just figured that I'm better at other things. Sorry, okay, but, yeah. but, but we actually did this and, uh, and, and she helped me train him or ride him. Uh, and um, in in T two actually that okay. was my my first yeah. test back then yeah. and I ended up on what in Germany is part A six fifty and I got my first medal or a little trophy or whatever it was <laughs> you know and so I yeah. was very happy very proud of accomplishing this together and um, yeah with the loose red hood and it's been it's been great fun but ever since I've just been you know riding not so very often and I really like it I've done it uh, several times in Iceland you know going on uh, rather long tours you know through um, areas that I normally never thought I could ride yeah. in, but you know, just trusting the horses that they will have, you know, solid and good mm -hmm. footing, and and just do that. So I, I was happy to go out with the family of um, Didi, you know, Shibet Barvason and Alfred uh, Paulson and um, his wife and, and Didi's daughters, and we we went out and and had a lot of fun doing that. And yeah, but I should do it more, like I said, and I'm sure Lisa will get me back in shape. I don't know if that means that there will be a comeback at some point in the competition yeah. for me, but I think uh, maybe not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we know you as the speaker at the World Championships and in other places. Yes, you do. Okay. And um, we know you as a man of a lot of languages. Right. How many languages do you speak? Oh, well, I speak German, that's for sure, you know, <laughs> and... Uh, um, and several others, you know, some better than, than others. And I, I'm quite happy at being able to understand many languages and make myself understood in, in other languages to, to uh, claim that I speak them perfectly. I mean, English is fine and, and French and some Italian and Icelandic is okay. And, and some of the Scandinavian ones, when I, <laughs> when I visit here, I'm fine, you know, so I will, I will always get, uh, get through the day and, and be happy to do so. But, um, I think that is one of the very nice things in the Icelandic horse world is that uh, people from this international community are very forgiving if uh, if you just dare to, you know, try and speak yeah. a little of a new language that you're learning uh, and you don't have to be very shy about it or have to practice until you're perfect. And that is probably something that uh, that comes pretty easily to me is, is you know, picking up little bits and pieces here and there of new languages. And that's always been part of my 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 life and things that I've always enjoyed, you know, when before my horse life, if you will, I, I was a musician. I okay. used to travel the world with several orchestras and chamber and music ensembles. I used to play the violin and we traveled all over all continents and, you know, uh, played big concerts all over and music and languages have always been my thing. Okay. I was pretty lousy in math and physics <laughs> and chemistry <laughs> and sports, but uh, but languages and um, and music have always been my my big passion so so that helps and mm. i like people a lot so so that's always nice to just be 
in dialogue and be in touch and communication with them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that we've heard some Swedish from you as well. Yeah, Svenska. A yeah, I'm pratar svenska a little bit. That's very yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but here it's fine because my job here is just to be in English. I think the the uh, main speaker at the show is, of course, a, a Swedish gentleman, and it's nice that we can just cooperate a little bit and. Mm-hmm. I think, fortunately, that so many people here speak such good English mm-hmm. uh, all over Scandinavia that uh, it shouldn't be a problem for mm-hmm. me to be understood, even if I speak, uh, you know, not only Swedish. Yeah, I think that would be okay. Yeah. Another thing that, mm-hmm. that is very striking with you as a speaker is all the trivia that you know about horses and right. people. Mm-hmm. And how did you learn all, all this? Yeah, well, it's it's not really like I sit down with a book like an almanac or a, a handbook or that I make written notes about what I have to read out, you know, when somebody enters the track. Of course, you get these starting lists and everything, but I think I'm quite okay at uh, remembering things. My memory is quite fine. So I I do go to a lot of horse shows, of course, that I'm uh, a part of. And so whatever I see there, whatever I remember from there is always somewhere in my, on my hard drive, my personal one yeah. in, in my head. <laughs> so it's, it's relatively easy for me to unlock that when I see a person and a horse to always have a little bit of, you know, a recollection of, uh, of what I could say about them. And I think it's, it's just something that I, I really love doing, you yeah. know, and it's not, I don't have to force myself to learn about it. I want to learn and want to learn more. And I want to talk to people and, you know, understand their motivation to do what they're doing, why they're doing it and how mm. they're doing it, how they're treating the horses, what they're getting back, you know, how this whole, this relationship between the uh, the riders and the horses works. Because that's, as I said, you know, nothing that I grew up with, but I'm just fascinated by it. And that's a, a thing that uh, I believe helps me quite a bit from the, um, well, on paper at least, low classes to the very high classes at World Championships to have, um, and I really mean that, a true appreciation for everybody who does this. Mm. You know, because if I were to ride a competition again, I could not be in T1 or 5-gate. You know, I would have to start in T8 or T7 or something like Mm. that. Um, And it's an important test to have. And for people to be, you know, open to showing what they have learned with their horse into coming to a competition, whether it is the low, you know, just mm. in inverted commas, or the big test, um, or the high test, uh, doesn't really matter to me. I, I really respect anyone who, who does this. And whether it is a, you know, 63-year-old lady who has decided, I like horses so much, I want to come back, mm. you know, and ride an Icelandic horse and maybe try out a competition, then she deserves the same amount of respect as a well-established, internationally known superstar that enters the track. Of course, now you, you're going to ask, but don't you don't you really like uh, to announce a, a five gate or T1 or four gate or T2 final at World Championships more than a T7 preliminary? Of course, the excitement factor that would be dishonest of me to claim otherwise. The excitement factor is higher mm-hmm. at the World Championships, yes, but uh, it's all important, you know all equally important mm. because if we don't have T8, T7, mm. all, you know, we are not going to get to T1. Mm. So we need for people to be able to start somewhere. And I think that's also one of the aspects that makes, uh, that make the Icelandic course so special is that it's accessible. Like for myself, you know, when I started with the Icelandic course, I had just gotten to know it. I hadn't known anything about it. I was not a good writer, but still it was possible for me mm. 
to start somewhere and somehow, and then with the help of, of trainers, you know, get to riding AT2 on my own and do quite okay in that and, uh, and be happy afterwards. Mm. You know, I would never say that I'm a super good rider, but I was happy at that day and proud of what we'd done together. And to be able to trust the horse to give that back to me is great. Mm. And so I think that we just need to respect what anybody is doing, whether it is a world champion or somebody just starting out or somebody just enjoying it in there, you know, as a pleasure rider. Mm. It's all important to have mm. out there. Yeah. And a speaker is a very important person at the competition because he or she is the one that welcomes people into the track. That's and, true, that's true. And yeah. I think it's a nice attitude to have that you should welcome any, anyone into the track. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it might be important functionally, of course, and you're right about that, but we're never the main uh, attraction, you know, we're never the main event. We are not, not the protagonists, really. That's always the riders and the horses, you know, whether it's myself or my colleagues or whether it's the judges or anybody helping out, volunteering mm -hmm. their time or just helping out in any capacity. I think we're all parts of the puzzle. This may sound a little romantic or nostalgic or whatever, but I think that's that's just what it is. I think if you come to a horse show, there are so many people that have done so much before it starts. And this is not about one day's work. This mm. is about weeks and months and maybe in some cases even years of people thinking of mm. one day wanting to have a horse show, mm. you know, then making the tracks and, and thinking about what they can do. Then it's everybody from those that, you know, help with cooking good food, you yeah, know, to, to yeah. just uh, helping us uh, have a nice uh, place where we can sit and work and, you know, just make everything flow smoothly and, and go along. And, and many of these jobs are not very glamorous, mm, yeah. you know. And, of course, at the end of the day, whether it's a competition um, winner or a world champion, they'll be the ones in the spotlight, and rightfully so, because they've done so much to get there. It's not something you do overnight. You know, you have to work a lot for that, together with your horses, of course. But I think... It's important to realize that um, no task in this whole circus is unimportant mm. or small or irrelevant. Mm. I think if we if we do not uh, treat those well that are just doing those you know non so uh, not so glamorous mm. jobs, then uh, the rest of us can't shine either. So I think that's important. I really agree, and that's a nice attitude to, to have, and it shows. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. But I still would like to know how mm. how you feel when you stand there at the World Championships for the T1 or F1 final yeah. with these huge stands, a lot of people and all that, the atmosphere. Uh, how is it to be a speaker in those events? It's it's really, really great, I must say. You know, it's uh, it's something I, I really enjoy. But at the same time, it's not something where I um, have so much thought about you know, am I in front of 300 people or 12,000 or something like that? For me, it's like um, a whole field of energy is just developing around mm. an event. And, uh, you know, some of them are better, some of them uh, not so much. And um, it's just something where you give and take. And I think when you take a world championship event like this one in, in Holland, you know, that was really very, very well organized. It was a very good group of people that had put it together and they were so nice in making everybody feel right at home. You know, and I had been in very close contact with them for the months leading up to the event and I knew them um, from before and they had um, hired me to, to be their speaker even before the last world championships uh, from two years ago that uh, uh, where some things were a little uh, different. But uh, anyway, they called me the day after the 2015 World Championships and said, you know, 
we trust you, you're our guy. And I was very happy and very honored to uh, to get their trust. And uh, so I've been working with them. And uh, and when I got there, it was just it was just very, very nice to be welcomed by a group of friends, really, mm-hmm. because they had put so much thought into, you know, what do we as those working there and volunteering, um, you know, what do we need to, to do our job well so we can present those that are the main act mm-hmm. well, too? Because if, if the stage isn't set right, mm-hmm. then everybody who at the end of the day is, is there to compete, you know, will, will not have the perfect setting. And they had done so much that it just uh, felt very easy, you know. And then for me, maybe it's a little easier than for others who might be great at other things, mm. um, you know, to, to just go out and interact with a crowd. That's what I like. You know, mm. I've now made the experience some years ago that it was apparently not something that uh, uh, folks in charge were looking for. But then again, I don't really have a concept of how to talk to people. I go out there very open mm. and I just enjoy it. Mm. So if I want to approach somebody uh, then and, and have the freedom to do so, you know, then that makes me uh, or gives me the, the chance to do my job better, I think. And like we had in, in Holland now with a great audience, even when, when certain technical things were not uh, perfect at one time, I remember there was something uh, uh, wrong with uh, with the database or something and uh, so we had a little delay in the speed pace or something, you know, then I don't just sit there and, uh, you know, look at the sky and uh, try mm-hmm. to blame somebody for what's going mm-hmm. on. I just, you know, will then use that, you know, not looking at page 17 out of my little <laughs> Henning handbook, you know, what do I do in pauses, you know, I just, yeah. but I just feel that, you know, the folks that are there, they spend so much um of their own energy, so much of their own time and money, of mm-hmm. course, to be there for a week, especially with families. That's a lot of money they spend. Mm-hmm. So they need to be informed, but also entertained. Mm-hmm. And so this is something I really like. And then, you know, we just start singing songs or just yeah, doing something yeah. together. And even though it was raining, I remember that one day, it's it's just, you just have to, you know, work with what you get. Yeah. You know, you cannot uh, prepare every every second of everything and you just have to, you know, uh, trust yourself to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. You have to trust or you have to know that those in charge of the event are trusting you to do it. Because mm-hmm. if I run around thinking, you know, what may somebody feel uneasy mm-hmm. uh, about that mm-hmm. I might do, you know, then I can't, you know, be myself. And that would be wrong because then, you know, why would you hire me there? Then that's just a waste of everybody's time, mm-hmm. you know. So I just like to interact with people mm-hmm. and especially on a stage like the World Championships when we have such great riders and such great horses there. That's something I really enjoy watching, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of course, I write about it on my Easy Plus website and I do the reporting on all these things. And um, it's just the whole theater that I love. And once again, nobody is too unimportant or too small to be a part of it. And that's why this time I also had some, um, I asked uh, readers of my website to go out and be backstage reporters, you know, so they they went through the campgrounds and the volunteer area and things like that. And they just collected, you know, opinions and uh, little anecdotes and stories from people. Because I just care about that. I think, you know, more than just about statistics and just the numbers, Mm -hmm. you know, I just want to make it all a little more lively. Mm. And and that's my main motivation because I really like this and love this very much. And it has given me so much. So mm. so my whole, you know, energy that I invest in it is something that I feel I get back anyway. Mm. And that's just the greatest reward. Mm. And uh, and that's what I very fortunately I'm very happy about that to hear from um 
people in the audience and also from writers, you know, and if they come to me and, and, you know, tell me after an event that, you know, they were happy with how I did my job and that I, you know, treated the writers fairly, uh, you know, that I uh, didn't, you know, say anything uh, nice only about, you know, German writers mm -hmm. or those mm -hmm. that I know personally, you know, I and I, I think there is really no problem with that. At least the writers don't seem to have that. You know, that's what I get from them. And I really, really, really am aware of, you know, having to be sensitive about it. But at the same time, uh, none of the writers have ever given me the feeling that, uh, you know, they have a problem with me being too closely involved with you know, things and, uh, you know, of course, being personally involved with um, or married to now a, a writer that's also competing there with mm -hmm. uh, with Lisa, uh, you know, but she's doing a really good job on her own and the judges are the ones giving her the scores. So that's not my, you know, uh, duty or task or a prerogative to to uh, promote her extra. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just something that, that happens. Um, and I really appreciate the fact that so many writers and so many people in the audience actually have taken the time to come at the world championships you know to me or just write to me uh, and actually um yeah told me mm. that that they liked it so that's mm. nice for me yeah yeah and i i think in, that that is sort of your trademark to be passionate and to be interesting <laughs> and to be funny to listen to that's thank you yeah i enjoy that very much yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that's good We've been talking a bit about your work as a speaker, but you have other things to do in the Icelandic horse world. Yes. You mm -hmm. mentioned Easybless. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a nice or interesting project that I started in 2007. Um, I, I had always thought, you know, that um, there are some magazines, of course, and some early websites dealing with um, Icelandic horses, but never in, in a way that was um not more of the same you know it had been the same style the same structure of things you know in printed versions of you know whatever it was reporting wise it had been around for for decades and you know it had just uh, the whole development had just started with um you know websites like these portal sites about one issue monothematic or or about um you know, where, where people could interact, you know, Facebook was not even out there yet, or at least not big, but, but certain elements were exciting to me uh, on the internet. And so I, I wanted to, to start something where I could both inform and entertain people also on the web, because it was a fast medium, you know, mm -hmm. it is something where you can be really quick with text, with photo, with video, with all these things. And um, at the same time, let people interact in their own community, you know, so I first tried to adopt a few features of the social network thing that it's called these days. Um, some of that is actually not so strong anymore. News is, of course, uh, the main uh, component of EasyBless because, you know, Facebook is much better at, you know, implementing their own uh, technology with, with everything they mm. do. And that mm. would be just ridiculous of me to claim that I could, you know, imitate them. So I just focus mainly very much uh, and, and most strongly on the news. And I'm happy to have uh, colleagues also in Iceland and in, in Holland and also coming up in Scandinavia, hopefully, uh, that uh, also enrich the Easy Plus experience by their own reporting from their countries. And uh, But I've been doing that myself pretty much for, for over 10 years now. It's been, or year 11 is now, or mm -hmm. has now started. Mm -hmm. And um, I just try to bring news to people that are that is fresh and uh, interesting, hopefully, uh, you know, inspire them sometimes with, with uh, some reporting and also some commentary and opinion. I mean, mm -hmm. that's something I've, 
I've said from, from day one that it is not a, a website without an opinion. If I feel like I want to comment on something political or just anything, mm -hmm. then, then I, I will do that. And uh, I don't uh, want to have to please everybody every day or everybody doesn't have to agree you know, with what mm -hmm. I write uh, every day. But hopefully, and, and that's what Easy Bless is for mainly, uh, of course, is, you know, I try to convey to uh, a great readership with over half a million clicks every month um, that, uh, you know, what everyone is doing, like I said before, from the leisure classes to the highest level in sports competitions, from those mm -hmm. that are breeding, that are, you know, investing so much energy and, and time and money also into, you know, our being able to have horses at mm -hmm. the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, for just everybody who's involved, those in youth work, in, in Fife, you know, the International Association, in the national associations like SIF here in Sweden, you know, um, or IPZV in Germany, it doesn't really matter. Or, you know, with events like Landsmode coming up next summer with Etlau being in charge of that again, or, you know, Berlin 2019 with our team working hard, you know, to make this a great experience. I think there's just so much to cover. And once again, hopefully the mix of, of topics and, and news I'm providing Uh, is something that that uh, readers enjoy mm. you know nobody's forced to, to uh, you get the login or to read it of course but i'm just hoping that uh, you know i can entertain uh, the audience of easy bless and um, fortunately so far the feedback has been mostly good and i try of course to to get better still because there is so much more that can be done mm. and hopefully in the future i'll have a few more people helping out mm. with uh, creating you know, a little more volume, more topics to be covered, getting even more international mm -hmm. and things like that. So that's a little bit the, the idea to, to make it grow a little more. Mm. Yeah. So you have the speaker assignments and you have Easy Bless. Do mm -hmm. you have any other things that you do in the Icelandic course world? Um, well, in the Icelandic course world, not really so much because I uh, that is quite time consuming. Easy mm -hmm. Bless, especially in the summer months, is something that will keep me busy for a few hours every day certainly and uh, speaking on uh, roughly 20 to 25 events every year is also something that will occupy mm -hmm. the weekends yeah. quite nicely yeah. <laughs> and of course there's always lots of phone conversations and things that um, that I am involved in uh, in the Icelandic course world and I do some seminars every once in a while or just uh, hosting other events that are not necessarily sports competitions mm -hmm. but um, what I do on, on the side and that is something that has absolutely nothing to do with horses but um, it's just something to also get my mind off of the horse thing to keep that fresh and entertaining and to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, be there as my uh, hobby still, although it is, you know, professionalized to a certain degree now, but still I want to keep it as a hobby that I like doing. Um, so what my other job is, is um, uh, editorial work and communications and PR work for certain companies that I work for. Okay. So I do everything from speech writing to uh, writing text for corporate literature, you know, for their uh, brochures and con concepts that I make for trade shows and stuff like that. Then agencies with good graphics uh, staff will, mm -hmm. will actually, you know, uh, um, finish or finalize. And yeah, but that's what I do. So I'm, I work for, for some companies that uh, do not have anything to do with horses. And, okay. and yeah. that's fine. So it's a little different yeah. uh, and keeps that fresh. Yeah. <laughs> that is good. Tell us a bit about a horse that's meant a lot to you. A horse that's meant a lot to me. Okay. Well, mm, of course, like I mentioned before, the horses I got in touch with when I went to university, those were really good because those were the magnets, you know, to get me into the Icelandic horse world, really. So uh, without having 
uh, all of their names ready because it was several, you know, to try out and school horses and stuff like that at first. So that's um, quite many. And this Elgur that I mentioned before, of course, mm-hmm. uh, was was a special one. Um, but a horse that really is uh, the closest to my heart, I must say, uh, these days is uh, a very nice uh, gelding that my that my wife has been training from when he was little and until now where he's been quite successful in sports. His name is Kjalar. Mm-hmm. He is the white or gray yeah. officially horse that she's been competing on. And he's just uh, a horse uh, with such a great heart, you know. And it's a horse that I have been touched by and I, I have also been touched by the, the communication and the re- relationship that Lisa and Kjalar have. And to see that something like this is possible, you know, when he comes into the arena and he is always in, on, on paper when you compare him to the others, you know, he is in most cases when he would be competing, he's just either the horse that would have the lowest sale price, probably on a price tag, if you could put one on him, okay. uh, which, by the way, will never happen because he will just <laughs> never leave us. Yeah. I'm very sure about that. Um, and, you know, he's a gelding and he may not be so pretty and he may not be, you know, the... Uh, the obvious candidate to be to be really good, but but he is just a horse with such a great heart, and he has very good gates, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has been you know German champion and uh, mid European champion in Tölt, and has been very good in Forget. He's won World Tölt in, in Denmark twice, and and things like that. But you know, he's competing against all these high octane super stallions mm-hmm. that are really admirable. You know, I really love the others too. But uh, he will always be there, and Lisa knows that, and I think it's it's both ways. They know that they're always there for one another, and she has had him, you know, since he was little, and she has trained him from from the ground up pretty much. And to see how they communicate and how they would be doing even in 35 degrees in a T1 mm-hmm. final that's really hard and, and grueling, and then you have all the others, uh, you know, competing with them, and they are the least obvious candidates to, yeah. to win this, and then they still have this energy and have this uh, trust in each other yeah. that it will be fine, mm-hmm. you know, that she will not ask more than he can give, and that he, in return, will also, you know, give her what she needs, you mm-hmm. know, to, to be successful. So I think it's a, it's a really nice combination. So for me to be able to watch that and to, uh, and to be with her in, in, um, uh, you know their their daily work and and training a little bit and and just to see how they interact has made this mm-hmm. was very special to me as well and I'm I'm just happy to uh, to be able to discover this this whole world uh, with uh, together with Lisa because you know she just lets me be a part of it and trusts me to to help her a little bit you know with the very limited possibilities that I have as a non-rider but of course I'm an observer and we share lots of things and and trust each other in in that and. And so that's nice. But she's just really opened up this uh, a, a new dimension of this uh, for me. And so I'm very grateful to her for, you know, being being there and just, just letting me discover more of mm. this because it's just been very special to be so uh, close with these horses and to see uh, the four gators and the five gators and the young horses and how she does the training and things like that. So I just uh, really wholeheartedly love that. Mm. And her, of course. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw this horse. He, mm. she was leading him, and yeah. he looked almost. He was so cool, and he looked almost a bit tired. And yeah. he was just walking there, and he was. Yeah, you'd think yeah, he's like thirty-eight yeah. and a half yeah, years old. Yeah. <laughs> and then she, when I saw her yeah. riding him, yeah. it mm-hmm. was like, oh, he was so. He had so much charisma yeah. and yeah. and so much power. Yeah. I couldn't believe that it was the same horse. That yeah, he's so nice. Few, he's yeah. you know so elastic and has yeah. this on switch, and mm, he will yeah. just. 
ask you when he is yeah. okay to yeah. go to off. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and that's just nice. And I know that this horse means so much to her, and and uh, maybe that's also, of course, why why he's so dear to me as well. But uh, you know what, I could also learn from him um, just by watching and watching the two. Is as I said before, you know, this whole issue of trust and and giving, you know, mutually. It could be beneficial to both of them because he knows that the training will be fine for him. He knows that in competition he will not be exposed to danger, mm. and uh, she knows that she can trust him to to go through even a very long and uh, sometimes hard final. Mm. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when we sit here and we're speaking, you are a very passionate man. You speak passionately of what you do, but what keeps you going? What what keeps this passion burning for the Icelandic horse? What keeps the passion going? I think, uh, you know, things are repetitive in life and things are repetitive in, in, in professional life also. So when you are at, uh, just like this, you know, Sweden International Horse Show, or you go to an event, ABC in Germany, Denmark, Iceland, it doesn't matter. Things will be the same, yes, to a certain degree, but routine only takes you so far. You know, we can have technical routines, and you know, when I come to a competition, I will set up my computer, I will put my power cord into the the plug, and uh, you will connect the microphone and the music and all these things. But that's just technical stuff. Mm. There's always so much more to discover and to learn. And I'm, you know, of course, after a long season, I'm like, okay, oh, mm. you know, <laughs> let's step back a little and relax yeah. and maybe do a few competitions less next year. But, mm. but you know, it's it's still something where coming to a new situation, meeting new people, meeting new horses, discovering new talent. You know, like I said, with Lisa also watching the new horses grow up and then start mm. in training and things like that. It's just the um, the whole life with horses is something that I had never believed I would be you know, so uh, so close with. But, um, you know, having someone by my side that is so passionate about it and that shares this passion and trust with me and then uh, beyond that, also on a professional level, to, to see new things happen, to see proven, well-established talent, you know, like, uh, like this summer I was, uh, you know, so happy at the World Championships for, you know, my old trainer, if you will, Yoli, to, to win the World Championship title with Gleiser to see, you know, where will they go next? You know, what is uh, in store for them next? You know, or young riders that I saw this summer from, from Norway, you know, this girl that was riding the pace horse, you know, yeah. she was to Luna Sneva. She was there with Demon. I think his name was right. Yeah. And, and then they were there and they were just so not just fast and they didn't just win the title, but I just interviewed her afterwards on the podium at the prize giving ceremony. And she was just out of it. You know, she was mm. just. Oof, you know, full with this joy and passion, and she was almost crying. And you know, just to see how other people can too share this passion, and and where will they go next, and what is in store for all of us, I think is great. So there's always movement, there's always development, there's always so much to learn. I don't think any of us will ever stop learning, or at least we shouldn't, of course. And um, I just love exploring and discovering new things, and so I'm always ready for the next year. And uh, you know, these horses uh, will never go away. Mm. Thank you so much for giving this passion to us here in the podcast. Well, thank you. And thank you for giving so much passion on the competition course. And good luck in the future. We look forward to hearing more from you. Well, likewise. Thank you very much once again for the great opportunity. And thank you to everyone here, Ilva and the whole team at, uh, you know, this this event for, for inviting me. And 
you know, hopefully I'll be back in Sweden soon. And I wish all your listeners a very Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy New Year. And the same to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Programmet presenteras i samarbete med Haffi. När du vill lyckas med livet.